0: Hello, and welcome to Deep Dive from the Japan Times. I'm Oscar Boyd. And this week, Bloomberg reporter Lisa Du returns to the podcast to give us an update on the rollout of Japan's COVID-19 vaccination program. Lisa Du, welcome back to Deep Dive. Thank you so very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you. Very glad to be back.
0: So you last joined us at the beginning of January, at which point the United States and several countries in Europe had already begun their vaccination programs against COVID-19. But Japan, meanwhile, hadn't even approved a vaccine. So catch us up. What's happened in the two months since we last spoke?
1: Yeah, so a lot's happened in the last two months. Um, For one, the Pfizer vaccine has been approved. And they have started vaccinations of healthcare workers. So there's been about half a million healthcare workers in Japan now vaccinated with the first shot. Um, there's also probably over a million doses of Pfizer now in Japan. Two other vaccines, AstraZeneca and Moderna, have also filed for approval. And the Prime Minister Yoshida Suga has gotten his his first dose. That was last week.
0: week.本日ワクチンを接種いたしました。痛そうだったんですけどね。And when did the first batch of Pfizer vaccine actually arrive in Japan and uh, start being distributed?
1: So the first shipment came a day or two before it was approved. The official approval date was February 14th, I believe, um, Valentine's Day. The first shipment came from Belgium and it was about 400,000 doses. And so a couple of days after they began vaccination. And so they, as um you know, they publicized before they started with vaccinating 40,000 frontline healthcare workers, and they were going to observe and watch them for the course of their two doses.
0: And that was just to make sure nothing was actually going wrong with the vaccine. People weren't experiencing any kind of side effects.
1: Yeah, I think it was kind of done to show people that, you know, like, we're still watching, we're still observing, we're aware that, you know, there's some um, trepidation about this vaccine so i think it was kind of almost done as a show
0: mm-hmm. and you mentioned that around half a million people so far have received at least one dose of the pfizer vaccine in japan most of them are health workers and of course prime minister suga so has the rollout gone to schedule so far
1: so it's going according to the schedule the government has publicized you know their whole plan in the beginning was to do forty thousand frontline workers in the beginning Um, observe them, and then open it to a wider population of healthcare workers, about three to four million of them. And then after that, starting um, vaccinations for those 65 and older. They've given a timeline for that, which is it's going to start April 12th. In terms of vaccine supply in Japan, I, I believe that, you know, there's over a million doses now here. They're pretty public about, you know, the shipments coming in every week from the EU, from Pfizer, so I think, yeah. So if you're looking at the government's schedule that they publicize is according to plan. I think some people, when they look at the rollout in the US and in Europe, you know, which started late last year, there has been complaints that it's it's kind of slow. But then again, you know, the infection spread situation has is totally different.
0: Mm, that's true. But there was that recent poll from Kyoto that said something like 65% of Japanese People consider the rollout of the vaccine to be slow. So, there is definitely a public perception that Japan has fallen behind. And of course, it was the last of the G7 countries to actually approve a vaccine.
1: Yeah, I think it's there is a lot of, especially if you are paying attention, a lot of attention to the foreign news. You know, it does feel like the vaccination here is happening at a later start compared to the West. The government has tried to reason that by saying, you know, you know, they had to guarantee supply in the beginning. They have to um, make sure they have buy-in from the public because hesitancy is a huge issue here and to make sure they have their logistics all right um, so that they have a stronger finish, essentially.
0: Right, and that vaccine hesitancy was something you explained uh, last time you were on the podcast, last time you joined me. So the first 40,000 healthcare workers were all successfully vaccinated. Which group is the vaccine program focused on now?
1: So right now they're still doing kind of all healthcare connected workers and that, you know, it it could, it's actually quite a broad definition. I've heard of people that work at hospitals, uh, ambulance drivers, pharmacists, I think they're all included in this um, first group. And so that's going to be about three to 4 million. And then the date for um, vaccinating the elderly will is... April twelfth. I think that's been confirmed. So, starting April twelfth, um, people over the age of sixty five will be able to get vaccinated.
0: So that will be starting fairly soon, than just a couple of weeks away now. And how will those people be notified that they're eligible for the vaccine?
1: The process for that will be um, the vaccination is taking place at the municipal level. So, um, you know, local the local governments will be will be in charge of it so it could look different depending on where you live but the general gist is that um, if you qualify you'll get a coupon in the mail to make an appointment at a place that the local government has set up and this could differ depending on like where you are so they're doing it by registration system in the local government
0: okay and everyone aged 65 and over will be eligible for a vaccine from april 12th if all goes to plan we know Japan is an Asian country, so how big exactly is that group of people? I'm assuming it's pretty large.
1: Yeah, so that's about 36 million people, about a third of the Japanese population. And the plan that they publicized so far is they're going to do the 65 plus, and then they will tr- they will do people with pre existing dis- diseases mm-hmm. and people that work at elderly care homes and then they'll start moving it down age brackets by kind of like they'll do 64 to 60 and i assume they'll like slowly progress down further in terms of the schedule for 65 plus um, konotaro who is you know the the minister who's in charge of kind of the vaccine logistics rollout has said that he wants all of them vaccinated by the end of June. Mm. So that's kind of the only kind of very clear cut goal that's been given. He wants the 36 million people over the age of 65 vaccinated by the end of June.
0: Yeah. If they achieve that though, that would be a very significant milestone for the country because that over 65 age group is also the most vulnerable group to the worst effects of covid they're the most likely group to need intensive hospital care or to die from covid 19 if they are to catch it
1: yeah i was just looking at the stats today and i think out of the like eight thousand plus deaths in japan only 500 are under the age of 60 oh wow so it's you know basically they and the vaccine you know what it's been proven to do is to prevent serious disease and death and so if they're able to vaccinate all of those people you take care of the majority of the risk.
0: Mm-hmm. So even if there are unvaccinated younger people who are still at risk of catching the disease, we would at least see fewer deaths and fewer severe cases of COVID-19 as soon as that large vulnerable population has completed their vaccines.
1: That's the ideal, I think.
0: So Tarakono, the minister in charge of overseeing Japan's vaccine programme, has set an end of June target for inoculating everyone over 65 in Japan. When might the general public begin to be vaccinated?
1: So what's been communicated so far is that the vaccine minister, Kono, has said that um, most likely it would be July for the general public. And that's, you know, if they're able to get everyone over the age of 65 vaccinated by the end of June. So, of course, the schedule is all up in the air. If you're looking at what's happening in other countries, there's been a lot of unexpected things that happened to the schedule, the vaccination schedule. So um, for one, there's Hong Kong. Uh, Hong Kong started vaccinating people at the end of February. But within two and a half weeks of starting vaccinations, they found there's actually very light demand. So in mid-March, they just opened up vaccinations to everyone mm-hmm. over the age of 30. And they Hong Kong went from being perceived to kind of being behind to being like one of the first countries where adults could freely get the COVID vaccine. And um, it's a similar thing in the U.S. Um, it's, you know, a combination of kind of low uptake in certain demographics and also an influx of supply allowed many states to kind of open vaccinations much quicker than expected to people over the age of 16. And now you've got U.S. President Biden saying that he expects that anyone who wants a COVID vaccine can get one starting in May. So there's lot of things happening that could shift the schedule forward or shift the schedule back
0: and obviously it'd be fantastic if the vaccine schedule can be shifted forward especially if that's due to an abundance of supply rather than because people don't actually want to take the vaccine but what are some of the challenges in actually meeting the current targets as japan widens the number of people who qualify for vaccines and vaccination here
1: So one thing that officials in Japan have mentioned a lot is the supply challenge. Right now, all the Pfizer is coming from the EU and the EU needs to approve every single shipment. And I think Japanese officials are very worried uh, that they may block one. Mm -hmm. Um, So far, we know the schedule until um, the end of May on how much Japan is going to receive. Another challenge That they could face is also kind of the rollout on the ground here in Japan. You know, it's being done by municipalities, and uh, you know the speed at which Tokyo does it is going to be very different from the speed of you know a small village in the countryside. Mm -hmm. And um, and they're going to each have their own plans. Uh, One little nitpick thing that happens in Japan is um, by law um, only doctors and nurses are allowed to pierce the skin with a needle. And so it could be that they don't they may not be able to have enough doctors to do vaccinations very quickly. So there was a recent survey done by the Ministry of Health of kind of the local municipal governments that found that 20% of municipalities um, had trouble, you know, recruiting enough doctors to do the vaccinations starting April 12th. So that um, that could be something that comes up eventually.
0: Mm -hmm. So we could see a shortage of doctors and nurses, on top of the general logistical challenges of where and how to vaccinate people.
1: Yeah. So I think that there's going to be a lot of thought put into that because they would want it to be at a convenient place, um, at a place that they can use temporarily. Um, You know, it'll be different everywhere. I've heard of um, there's of towns, you know, um, booking young malls like shopping malls and then there's towns that's kind of actually i think there's actually a ward in tokyo where they say they plan on just kind of contracting out to small clinics and you just make your appointment at a small clinic and go do it and then there's been places where they'll like they'll kind of rent out a local gym um in a, in a university or something so there's been it'll look different everywhere
0: On our last podcast we did together, you talked about the issue of vaccine hesitancy and the concern over whether Japanese people would actually want to take the vaccine once it was available here. Has that changed at all since we last spoke? Are more people showing a willingness to take the vaccine or are we seeing instead reports of people not wanting to take the vaccine?
1: I think it's gotten better, actually. A lot of the polling that's come out recently show increases in percentage of people that want to be vaccinated. Um, There was a recent World Economic Forum poll done across the globe that showed uh, vaccine intent in Japan had gone up significantly in the last month. Um, So I do think the fact that it's being rolled out very widely around the world and people are hearing about it, they're seeing people get vaccinated on TV, all of that is probably helping.
0: And is there a figure, is there a percentage of Japanese people who've said they would be likely to get vaccinated?
1: It depends on the poll you look at, right? Um, And uh, there's a lot of different uh, news outlets and and pollers doing this, but there was a recent one from uh, Tokyo University that said about 62% wanted to get it. But again, you know, it's been shown that Asian countries in general are more sensitive to um, news about side effects Mm -hmm. With vaccines, and you know, you saw that with Hong Kong, there, you know, there were side effects reported, and you could you could see that you know reservations would numbers would drop off the next day, and that's also one of the reasons why Hong Kong also opened up their their vaccinations so quickly because there was low uptake.
0: With that in mind, then we have seen some reports here saying that Japanese people vaccinated here are experiencing relatively higher rates of anaphylactic allergic reactions to the Pfizer vaccine. Is that something that might affect uptake?
1: Yes so you've seen even politicians and even Kono himself say oh it appears that there is a higher there's more people getting anaphylaxis in Japan but two things to caution about that is the classification of anaphylaxia in Japan is different from the West and also Japan is reporting suspected cases of anaphylaxia that they later find to not anaphylaxia and you've seen a couple of cases that they were like oh we, we reported this but it's actually not so and it's not an allergic it's not anaphylaxia so I think it's good the government is communicating this because they didn't and people found out about it it would look like a cover up and it'd probably fuel hesitancy but I also understand that you know people hear about it and they're also worried that that could affect uptake the thing with Japan is because it's not open yet uh, vaccination is not open yet to the public you just you don't know how it's going to impact So that's something that could be a challenge for them to watch.
0: I'd like to move on and talk about how the approval of the Moderna and the AstraZeneca vaccines might change things here. Because so far, all the discussion we've had, all the dates we've talked about when it comes to when people might start receiving their vaccines those dates are all pegged to the availability of the Pfizer vaccine and don't actually factor in yet the other vaccines that might become available, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so that schedule is based on Pfizer and kind of all of the plans that's been laid out is is for the Pfizer vaccine. I think in terms of people over the age of 65, Kono has set these plans only like with intention of Pfizer. Now, two other vaccines have applied for approval, and uh, Moderna and AstraZeneca and the health minister has signaled that, you know, if things go well, the approval could come as quickly as mid-May.
0: And if those are approved as early as mid-May, how might that affect the vaccination schedule here?
1: So I think it could speed things up, but it could also create more logistical headaches. I think what we know so far about the process is actually the process for Pfizer. AstraZeneca does not need cold chain storage, and so they could roll it out a different way. But then that's like another extra thing that maybe municipalities need to think about. And uh, and Moderna also, you know, Moderna needs cold chain, but a slightly like it doesn't need as low a temperature as Pfizer. So I, I don't think actually the government has publicized their plans on what they would do with these two vaccines. But um, if it's done right, it could release. It could help speed up the schedule. And if you know if it's not done right it could create more logistical headaches that you know get pushed down to the municipal level
0: Mm. and coming back to the issue of side effects and how that might affect uptake with the astrazeneca vaccine we've seen recent reports of issues involving blood clots forming in recently vaccinated patients are those reports likely to impact on the speed of approval for the astrazeneca vaccine here and potentially the uptake of that vaccine once it is approved
1: so I have to, I put this question up against some people, against some experts in Japan, and they, they actually seem to be quite level-headed about this. So the AstraZeneca blood clotting issue started when Austria suspended one batch of vaccines because someone had died from a blood clot like a couple of days after getting the vaccine. And then it seems like that just kept kind of snowballing and all these other european countries suspended it on this worry
0: mm-hmm.
1: however um the european medicines agency and the who has endorsed the shot they've said there's no association between blood clots and this astrazeneca shot in the preliminary data they've looked at um and that the benefits of getting the vaccine still outweigh the risks So actually, I think as of a couple of days ago, the shots have restarted in Italy, France, and Germany. Uh, I believe it's Sweden is the one that's going to, they're going to look into it themselves. But, um, oh, another thing that this has happened just a few hours ago, the AstraZeneca did a separate trial in the U.S. Um, The shot has had had some bad luck with PR. They did have some, they had like a trial design issue with their uh, first trial in the U.K. And so they they did another trial in the U.S. and the readout just came found to be 79% effective, you know, I I think, you know, the FDA may decide on it soon. And so all of these things actually kind of actually help boost confidence in the shot.
0: We've also seen reports over the last few days of increasing levels of vaccine nationalism as various nations and economic blocs seek to vaccinate their own populations ahead of others. Japan is currently importing all of its vaccines, all of the Pfizer vaccine from the EU. So, how worried are people that you've spoken to about vaccine nationalism and the impact it might have upon the availability of a vaccine here?
1: So, after they approved the Pfizer vaccine and the shipments started coming in, there was a lot of focus on the supply thing. So, they were there was a lot of worry, especially from the government level, that like that you know they weren't going to ship it out in time that every shipment does need to be approved still. And so I think there is a lot of concern. But if you're looking at the numbers, it does look like there will be at least 100 million doses of Pfizer in Japan by the end of June. And then you have things like AstraZeneca really being made, most of it being made in Japan. And so, I mean, it, it is a point of concern, but I think it also just goes to show like how many moving parts there are to this whole vaccination drive. And just how many unknowns can pop up? You know, Mm -hmm. you don't. You know, there's supply, there's um, hesitancy, and then there's the actual like logistics and how you get the shots into the arms. And you know, the focus changes depending on the news of the day, right? Mm -hmm. There there was a lot of focus on it right in the beginning when they first start rolling out the shots. But you know, in a month when there's enough and they, you know, they start uh, the vaccination program, the focus could be on you know something totally different,
0: like people actually taking the vaccine.
1: Yes. I'm very interested in that one.
0: And has there been any discussion at all about potentially importing vaccines from Russia or China if the supply of vaccines from Europe or the US was to suddenly dry up? Because Russia and China are the Japan's nearest neighbors and they've both developed their own vaccines. So yeah, is there any discussion about importing those vaccines to be used in Japan?
1: So Kona was asked about this at a press conference last month and he said that because Japan had signed deals for enough doses of vaccines for its ent- entire population they didn't intend to really try to do more vaccine deals so he kind of dodged the question a little bit mm-hmm. i also don't think actually it's it's his he doesn't actually make the decision it's the health ministry but i do think if they if Japan cuts more deals it won't be russia or china they it's very likely that they could um cut a deal for the johnson and johnson shot also because Johnson Johnson um, did run a trial in Japan. So, um, but there has not been talk of um, getting a China or a Russia vaccine here. <laughs> and they also would need to like, you know, these companies, they, the companies in China and Russia would need to come to Japan and do the, do a trial here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think it would it would also take a while. I, I also don't know if it's, it's worth it for China and Russia to, to try to do it. Right, because you these Western companies, they they've been here for ages. They have all these local connections. Um, you know, they get they can get local partners to run trials to file for approval. But I'm actually not sure if you know, like the Russian government or the Chinese government has that set up here. <laughs> Probably not.
0: One thing that's being discussed in various countries around the world is the idea of a COVID vaccine passport, which can be used to prove that someone has immunity from the virus, they've received their vaccine. Is Japan considering vaccine passports for those who have been successfully vaccinated?
1: So Kono had said that this is definitely not something he would do domestically. Like this is not something they're they they they're not going to require some form of vaccine proof in Japan. But he understands that this is something that people will need to travel internationally, and that's a system they'll have to think of. I'm assuming that it actually, in the end, the task wouldn't be up to him. It might be another ministry that we have to handle this. So they've already started discussing, you know, this in the EU, but in Japan, it's more just that Kono has acknowledged that you know, this is something that may be needed, but it's not something they would do domestically for anything.
0: Mm-hmm. So the current thinking is that if people are required to have these vaccine passports for international travel, that Japan would consider giving and producing vaccine passports, but they wouldn't be used for anything domestically like, you know, visiting a shop or crossing prefectural boundaries. Yeah. And why is there this hesitancy to implement a domestic vaccine passport system?
1: I think it's be- partly, you know, in Japan, privacy is very paramount. So I don't think you know, people won't be required to take the vaccine. And then, and so, and whether they choose to, you know, reveal they that they've taken it or not is something that's their own choice. And, you know, I think probably the government thinks they don't have, they shouldn't have a hand in that, at least domestically, into you know, if there should be any proof of vaccination.
0: And what about the opposite scenario? Uh, is there any discussion of Japan requiring vaccine passports for people to come here? to use them as a tool, for example, to let international tourism to Japan resume. Because, yeah, it's been almost a full year now since international tourism was restricted. And I know there's a lot of businesses that are absolutely desperate to see international tourists back so that they can resume normal operations.
1: Yeah. I mean, for now, I don't think Japan has a stance on this issue. And so, you know, the country, they're very into citing the science when it comes to, uh, to this whole pandemic, really. Um, but the clinical trials for vaccines looked at the vaccine's efficacy against preventing serious disease, um, not against transmission, which is what border control and quarantine are meant to prevent. Mm-hmm. Um, so studies are now being done on transmission, and it's very likely that you know, that, you know it's going to show that vaccination will slow or decrease transmission, but I don't think it's definitive enough now for the Japanese government to act on it. Though, like you said, you know, there are a lot of incentives to do something like this because of, you know... the tourism that you know the industry is really suffering i also think a lot of people want to come into japan (laughs) whenever i speak to um you know friends i have overseas everyone just wants to come to japan
0: and of course there are all the people who are still stuck waiting on their visas to be issued to let them study or work in japan i think anything that makes that process easier for them is going to be greatly in demand but basically the concern for japan is that even if people from overseas are successfully vaccinated and that prevents them from becoming severely ill with covid that there's still a risk that they could be effective carriers for the virus and bring new strains into Japan and infect unvaccinated people here.
1: Yeah, I think the right now the science isn't definitive enough to show that it slows transmission for them to to say to like to tie a border control measure to vaccination status. I think eventually it, the science will be there and you know this is something that they they could definitely do and you're seeing it already being done in other countries
0: right Mm. so it seems like once again we're ending this episode with a huge number of unknowns with japan's vaccine program but hopefully things will become clearer as the rollout continues and uh, we'll have to get you on once again when things firm up a bit more yeah
1: i think it's been kind of a roller coaster Mm. this whole thing you know there's two months ago all everyone cared about was cold storage and um and then people are worried about hesitancy and then, you know, the EU started blocking shipments and then, and then it becomes not na- waxing nationalism. So it's definitely a, a soap opera, mm. <laughs> a vaccine soap opera. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what the next thing is going to be. <laughs> I'm looking forward to covering it, though, <laughs> whatever it is.
0: Well, Lisa, thank you very much for joining me again today.
1: Thank you. It's been really fun.
0: That was Lisa Do, a reporter at Bloomberg's Tokyo Bureau. Since recording this episode together on Monday evening, Vaccine Minister Taro Kono said in an interview with the Yumiuri Shimbun that under 65s in some rural areas with low populations may start receiving their vaccinations as early as the end of April if there are surplus vaccines after the main priority groups in those areas have been successfully vaccinated. Alas, if you're based in a big city, you will have to sit tight until it's your turn. I personally cannot wait to get a vaccine in my arm. What did you think of this episode? Let me know. Please take a moment to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcasting platform you use. Thank you so much to all of you who've taken the time to write a review already. I really appreciate the feedback. That's it for this week's episode. Until next time, Sama.